can sit here and, and, and list scriptures about strength, you know, and we can spend all night doing that. But um, because the Lord is strong. Um, but I wanted to just uh, uh, focus on some things here. Uh, read a few scriptures just to start off. I'm going to read Isaiah 55, and then I'm, I'm going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. Uh, read four four verses of scripture, and uh, I'm going to uh, uh, talk about some things that are, are, are you know apparent contradictions at times. Uh, you know, I, I know that I I've taught all the kids here, and I most maybe some of the adults this was new to you, but you know one of the things I love about the Word of God is that it has paradoxes in it. It has dichotomies that are um, they seem to be apparent there. Um, uh, they seem to be contradictions even sometimes. Um, I will tell you the word does not contradict itself. Um, what, our, what happens is our spirit contradicts ourselves. You know, our spirit mixing with God's spirit begins to contradict. And so, you know, uh, this is like uh, the classic story in the Bible where the man says, I believe you, help me with my own words. Right? There's a contradiction there. You know? He believes, but he needs help. Right? And this is sort of what I'm talking about here. The word never contradicts. It never does. But there are paradoxes. There are dichotomies. Uh, and it's interesting to me uh, that as we look at strength, we can look at this. Um, you know, a, a paradox is, uh, or a dichotomy is a division or a contrast between two things that are or are represented as being opposed or entirely different, okay? Belief and unbelief would be an example of that. Um, but I believe that God deliberately places these contrasts, these paradoxes, these dichotomies um, to remove man's trust in himself, in his own understanding, in his own genius. In his own ways. In his own righteousness. I believe he puts those in there. So that we can't just become religious rappers. There's a double entendre there. If you catch it. Uh, I know Shane would appreciate that. He's a rap fan. And uh, even you ladies know how to rap things nicely, don't you? <laughs> Man moves instinctively in this arena. And that's why we have to be careful when we're talking about strength. You ever met the guy who acts like he's really strong, but then you get down to it? I, I, I had a brother, I'm not going to name him because he might get beat up, but uh, he, he talked to me how he was blown away when he first took. He first was introduced to, you know, people from the wrong side of the tracks. It kind of almost, it kind of basically happened when he got saved. You know, he first started to meet gangsters and, and people who were troublemakers and people who were ruffians, you know what I mean? He didn't hang around those circles, you know. Now, don't get me wrong, he was the worst of the worst when it came to sinners. But he wasn't the kind of person that hung around with, you know, he'd never, he'd never been on the streets or, or grew up in big, big neighborhoods where, uh, you know, city neighborhoods where you, you have gang members and stuff like that. And he was blown away because he was like, these gang members, they seem so hard on the outside and they act so hard on the outside, but they're really the biggest, biggest babies. You know what I mean? Sometimes. You know, deep down when you get to know them, you know what I mean? They can be the weakest guys in the whole bunch. And that's true. 
is absolutely true. I've seen it time and time again. But let's read from the Word of God because what I think God wants to do is He wants to, like, enzymes break down food to make it something useful. God wants us to use the Word of God to break down these attitudes that we have, to break down these things inside of us. You know, we use enzymes, digestive enzymes, to break down food into the constituents of nutrients, right? So that we can absorb the good stuff, right? You know, that's what we do. We take amino, amino acids and simple sugars and fatty acids and vitamins and etc. And we use those to produce energy in our lives. And that's what God wants to do with the Word. He wants to do that tonight, building strength in us and energy and a strength inside of us to endure through difficult times and also to endure through difficult aspects of ourselves because it can be difficult see we're fatally flawed in one way more than any other it, and that is that we have the ability to depend on our own selves our own strength and that will be a never ending issue for you listen to the word of God as we read it tonight. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and verse 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And now let's do what I like to do when I can, when I can figure it out. <laughs> Second Corinthians, let's read chapter 12, verse 9, and go to the New Testament and see how this applies the spiritual being that we have become when we become born again. This is Paul speaking. Chapter 12, verse 9, 2 Corinthians. He says, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my pain, in reproaches, in needs, in persecution, in distress, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's pray tonight. Lord, I pray that tonight, in our own weaknesses, that you would make us strong and that you would fill this place with your Holy Spirit to strengthen us, to strengthen our understanding, to strengthen our courage, to strengthen our endurance and our ability. Lord, that you would complete this work through our weakness as we come to you as a group, as a fellowship, as a body, working in one accord to see the coming of Christ and to see your return and to make heaven our homes. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do. And we humbly pray to you and are careful of giving you all the praise. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, it's really interesting. I talked about that fatality, the flaw of, of, of this ability of ours. We can depend on ourselves. You know, don't ever be stupid enough to say to yourself, to say to some guy, for instance, yeah, you'll never do that. 
You know, because a guy will go out there, and even if it, even if he, you know, you know, is 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 mauled while doing it, he'll try to do it because men are made that way. And you know, the Bible says in Genesis eleven chapter four that we have this this problem, and it's, it comes way, it goes way back to the beginning of mankind. Listen to this in Genesis 11, verse 4. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose tops is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Let's make a name for ourselves. Think about that. You know, you hear about guys today. Think about that phrase there. Today, you'll see a guy. On a football team, or you know, you'll see a guy in your school, or you'll see an, an actor or an actress or a, a musician, and they want to make a name for themselves. They'll even say it, yeah, you know, I'm here on American Idol because I want to make a name for myself. You know, I want to win this so that I can make a name for myself or my family or my kids. And that's what's going on here. They know better than divinely appointed leadership, for instance. 
You know, some people, they, they get into church for a while and they're like, yeah, I kind of know better than the pastor, you know? Some people, they don't do it necessarily with their pastor, but they do it with other pastors. Or they do it with the fellowship as a whole, right? I don't need to go to conferences, you know? I know that before I used to think that way, but, you know, I can just sort of find my own niche. I don't need to contend the way I used to. I don't need to do certain things the way I used to do them. And the Bible talks about this. First Samuel 15, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 15, verse 17 says, When you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go utterly and destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? You know, there's another example. You know, we like to pick on Saul, but what about David? David does the same thing. First Chronicles chapter 21. You think I'm talking about the adultery? No, that was, that was one form of sin that he had, but this is even probably to me even worse. First Chronicles 21, verse 1, he says, Now Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. It never says Satan, uh, you know, got David to look at Bathsheba. But it says that he got him to number Israel. Why? So David said to Joab and to the leaders of the people, Go number Israel from Beersheba to Dan and bring the number of them to me that I may know it. And Joab answered, May the Lord make his people a hundred times more than they are. But my Lord, the king, are they not all my Lord's servants? Why then does my Lord require this thing? Why should he be a cause of guilt in Israel? This is David. This is David, and God had expressly forbid numbering the men of Israel. We may not understand that. We're going to go through the census 2020. But he didn't want them to be numbered. Why? Because he did not want him to trust in himself. He didn't want him to trust in himself and in his power of people. You know, some pastors, they start to trust in how big their church is. And God does it. He takes their church away. That's what he does. Some people, they, they pastors start to, to do things like this. But you can do it too. You can trust how big your bank account is. You can trust how, how much people listen to you. You can trust all kinds of things that have to do with the arena of self. And what it does is this works in, uh, uh, in a way that creates an arena of unbelief and overconfidence. You think you can just do whatever you want and that God will still be with you. But the Bible says that Satan is behind us. There's all kinds of uh, situations where God speaks this to us. Listen to Zechariah chapter four, verse six. The most one of the most famous scriptures in our fellowship, especially, but in most fellowships around the world. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. 
in, in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, I remember, I said to myself, I will never, ever, ever, ever read that scripture until I can say the rule. Because I heard a couple of guys mess it up, you know what I mean? And I was like, I'm not going to let them go. I'm not You know? And then one day, God was like, sounds like you're relying on something other than me. I saw the conversation. You know, it took me years to, to, to get the contradiction. But then one day, you know, I'm praying one day or something. I don't know. And I'm thinking, you're really prideful about how you say Zerubbabel. You got a lot of pride there. See, because we can ignore it, can't we? We can ignore it. We can say, yeah, God, but I, I still want the money. Please give me the power stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'll read the scripture for you. Like the power. And that's why I read that scripture from, from Paul this, this evening. Because Paul, he came to a revelation. You know, it took him a long time. He asked God, take this away from me, take this away from me. God said, No, I'm not going to take it away from you. You know, my grace is sufficient for you. It took him a while. I don't think he just wrote that the first night he prayed. That's a man that's been through some things that wrote that. See, man doesn't often lose his religion, but he does lose his revelation of the true God. He falls in love with things. You know, it's amazing to me. You know, times of desperation or national uh, crisis. You know, there's great surges in church attendance. But then we forget. We go back to the norm, don't we? You know, Psalm 107 it says they wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. Their souls fainted in them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. A beautiful, beautiful scripture. But it's interesting to me that their soul had to faint inside of them before they cried out. I mean, it's clear. It says, then they cried out. Their soul had to faint. That, that's, the, that's the innate part of us, inside of us, that relies on our own strength. That was what he's talking about there. There was a spirit inside of them that was, no, we're going to go, we're going to go. No, that had to literally faint. You know, sometimes God does this to us. He's like, when are you going to faint? You know? You ever seen one of those matches where the guy's like, I don't want to keep punching this guy. Because he's just destroying the guy. And the guy just keeps on going, you know? And the guy's like, really? I gotta do this again? Really? You know? We like the Rocky story, but you know, I wanna tell you something. I'm not a big fan of Rocky anymore. Because while I love the idea of strength, I love the idea of power, as a pastor, I've learned that it's not my strength that's gonna get me. It's not. And you know, the one thing about Rocky that's all right is, you know, I guess if you, you turn uh, Adrian into like a godly woman or something, you know, then you can sort of make it into a good movie, you know. But I just wish that Adrian was more holy, you know. Maybe she prayed a little bit more, you know, talked about Jesus, you know. Maybe she witnessed to Rocky, you know what I mean? And he never would convert, you know what I mean? And then, and then, Adrian! You know, that would have been a really good movie, you know what I mean? I would do that. I could do that. I could do that. We could make a we could make a Jesus movie here. 
play, right? I, I mean, we haven't put a lot of padding on me, but maybe we can convert a, a real guy that would be a rapping character. You know what I mean? Apollo Creed. Right? But that would be good. Right? But that, that would be good, wouldn't it? You know? And really, and, and now that I think about it as I speak it to you, you know, that is the touching part of that film. That is the part that I always liked and we always liked. Is that he found out that Adrian was the most important thing in the end. It wasn't being champ. It wasn't being all the other things. It was, it was Adrian. It wasn't making everybody think he was the strongest guy anymore. It, it, didn't, it wasn't about him being the, the best anymore. It was about her. And he caught that. That was the journey he went through. You know, we all had to go through that journey because any work that's done for God is dependent on God working. It's dependent on God. Some of you, listen, one of the biggest lessons you need to learn is that you need to bring yourself to the end of yourself. Maybe that means that you need to uh, start to contend more in your prayer life. Maybe it means you have to contend more in your corporate prayer life. You have to start saying to yourself, you know what, God? I, 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 you know, I'm in love with, 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 uh, you know, my time. I'm in love with my money. I'm in love with my, you know, with, with all these things, God. And I need to go bring myself to an end here. And I need to come to you. And I need to discipline my life and start to pray to you consistently. You know, every one of us has to come to that place if we're going to have anything great happen here. I fully believe that my Prayers are what are guiding me and are leading me. And I believe that our prayers are what is going to guide this church and lead this church. I must inspire you to pray tonight. Because if you're going to rely on anything other than his strength, you will fall short. Desperate times will come. You know, I remember... So many stories in the Bible where this came to pass. We, we look at the book of Judges. We see in Judges 6, verse 15. So he said to him, meaning the Lord, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's whole house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you. Second Chronicles, another example we're talking about. The Lord here in Second Chronicles 20:14, he says this, and he said, Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, that could be us tonight, because we are kings and queens. We are ambassadors of the Lord. We are the people, the chosen. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude that is against you. The world is a great multitude, and the pressures of the world is a great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. God is the one who is battling tonight. He is battling. And we need that dimension of the Holy Ghost that's able to touch and heal and deliver people beyond the wisdom of men. You know, there's a reason 
that people go to a psychological approach to their problems. And that in reality, what it does is at best, it makes you feel for a moment good. But the truth is, it lacks power. It lacks supernatural dimension. And Paul was not immune to that. That scripture I told you about, his infirmity, he doesn't like what's happening. You know, he's looking through the psychological textbooks of the Bible, and he's saying, this doesn't fit my theology of healing and of deliverance and of blessing. And Paul is saying all of these things to Jesus as he's praying and saying, take this away from me. And God says, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. You know, Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a man who probably had to deal with pride quite a bit. And God was doing something in Paul to show him. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, that same chapter I read, verse 7 says, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. He's saying, God's told me a lot of things. I've had a lot of things happen to me. You know, you guys, you guys knew the phrase, uh, falling off your high horse before you had any idea what it meant. You know? Some of you young people are like, what's my parent talking about? One day you're going to fall off your high horse, they said to you. And you don't even know what that means. Well, it comes from Paul and the revelation that he had from God. God took him and knocked him off his high horse. And he's saying, oh, I have all these revelations and there was abundance of them. A thorn in the flesh was given to me. A messenger of Satan to buffet me. He's not saying God put that in him. He's not saying God put that in him. Don't leave, brother. He's not saying God put that in him. He's saying Satan put it in him. Think about that. Who opens the door to Satan? We do. Paul did. Paul opened that door to Satan. Where was it coming from? You know, we like to make people into these holy things. And we like to hate on people who aren't holy, don't we? But that's because we're relying on our own strength. We're not relying on the strength of God tonight. When we act that way. He says, lest I be exalted above measure. I'm showing you. Listen, Satan has a hold on me. You know, he was either walking around with a limp. Maybe he couldn't see well. Some people speculate on all kinds of things. I don't think it was something that was unholy about Paul. I think it was the fact that Paul had issues that, that we all have. And God was showing him something. In the end, Paul, this is who you're going to become. Sometimes for us, we need to realize that God is trying to tell you, in the end, this is who you will be. This is who you will be when you stand before me. Listen to him. He says, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. He said, you know, God, please help me. You know, the longer I'm saved, the longer I minister, the more I've seen God bless and use my life, the more prone I have become to this. Can I tell you that? 
which is what I needed. And as I had learned to live for God over an extended period of time, I learned that I can go to God with my weakness. And it's the opposite of my mindset. It's the opposite of my attitude. And it's the opposite of the attitude and the mindset of the world. But especially tonight, the church world, who likes to walk around all confident, you know? I want you to listen to those pastors and those preachers who are on TV one of these days. If you are, I want you to think about something. How many times do they say, oh, what a wretched man am I? How many times do they sit there and actually, you know, sit there and be honest about who they are? Or are they putting on a production? Are they telling you about all the blessings? Are they trying to put on a show that entertains? That's why we have celebrity ministry. If you guys are watching those celebrity ministers, man, stop it right now. Don't tell me about it. I'm not kidding. Because I want to tell you something. It's only when you come to the end of yourself that you see God's power released. Those guys have their reward. That's when it becomes realized in your life. Listen, man's extremity is God's opportunity. That's the furthest point, the limit of yourself. That's where God is, that's where his opportunity is. When, when, you're, when you're wretched, that's when God can go, now I can move. Oh, wretched man am I. Chapter 10, verse 12, for we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Are you comparing yourself to other churches? Are you comparing yourself to other people in the church? Are you comparing yourself to other people in the world? You're not wise. What you compare yourself to is the love of Christ, and you will be humble. I'm not sitting here saying live a defeated life. You don't have to. You can live a victorious life. But you must come to that conclusion that there is a throne. Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain what? Mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. You can boldly come on your knees to the Lord. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise things. Because foolishness is wiser than men. The foolishness of God is wiser than men. Can I tell you that?
Corinthians 15 says, verse 43, it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. Hebrews 11, 34, quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to fight the enemies of the aliens. Psalm 138, verse 3, In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. God can build you into something that you couldn't possibly comprehend if you would just come to the end of yourself. And that's what the cross principle is all about. That's what God's release happens. It happens because of a dimension of power that comes from the cross. You know, one of the things that you must understand that's a key to power as I close tonight is that God owes you nothing. And this is contrary. And listen to me. I, I don't want to end there. God owes you nothing. It is contrary to what you feel and what you think. This is the key. You must understand this dichotomy. You think differently. You feel differently. But God owes you nothing. Because what happens is, after a period of time, when we realize that God owes us nothing, when, we're, when we come to him as sinners, when we come to him in that base situation, we, 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 we we're at that place, yeah, you owe me nothing, God, I've done wrong. Then God forgives you, he begins to build you, and then all of a sudden, after a period of time comes, you begin to fall back away from the cross, and you begin to forget and you forget what you're looking at in the mirror. And all of a sudden, you're not crucified in weakness anymore. And you're relying on your strength. Remember Jesus, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 4. For though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him. But we shall live with him by the power of God towards you. The power of God towards you who are weak. You know, this happens to us. We become weak. 2 Timothy verse 4. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. There's times in our lives, guys, where we must be crucified. Our pride must be crucified. Sometimes our success is crucified. You know, the, the, the world crucifies us. You know, people, you know, whenever you get involved with ministry, there's always somebody who's like, yeah, you're not very good at that. <laughs> you got to let yourself be crucified. You know, you got to have a smile on your face. Yeah, you know, you're right. Hopefully God does something. 
the thing that I like. Those things that are weak. See, we, we have to have that attitude. I'm going to read a few scriptures as I close here. The first one, of course, is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I hope that has a new meaning tonight. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, God has the power. Ephesians 3.16. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Not ours, his Ephesians 3, verse 7, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of His power. And finally, Psalm 27, a great psalm to remember. These verses you can memorize not too difficultly. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. In whom shall I be afraid when the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes? They stumbled and they fell. You know, God will take away your enemies. He will. But only when you decide with all your heart that God's ways are your ways. That strength out of weakness is something that you can embrace. I never realized anything through my own strength. I never realized anything through self-confidence. But oh, I have realized so much through the strength of the Lord. I would like every head bowed and every eye closed in this place. Our weakness is simply in contrast to God. It's not in contrast to others. And today you can give him your weakness and he will give you strength. If you're in this place and you're not right with God tonight, I want to give you an opportunity very quickly without moving head back.